Welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. My name is Henry J, and I am joined by some, well, one of our talented writers, but actually also developers today to talk about the world of indie games. Uh, we have Puppet here. Hello. Hey, hey. And then we also have some special guests. Let's go around the room. Uh, whoever wants to jump in, introduce yourself first. Go for it. Hello, my name is Sarah, um, and I am one of the three owners of Astral Clock Tower Studios. Uh, and I'm Alexis, uh, another one of the owners of Astral Clock Tower Studios. And I am Tiffany. I am the, the third member, the third owner of Astral Clock Tower Studios. And we are all here to talk about uh, females in gaming, which is the topic of this podcast today. We're also going to talk about what we are playing and the question of the week as well. It's going to be an action-packed podcast, so stick around. Whether it's indie or not, we play a ton of games. So let's talk about what we are playing this week. We'll start with Puppet. You only have one game, not 5,000 games like what you're usually playing. Well, okay. In reality, I am playing 5,000 different games. But I I wanted to focus a little bit for you guys this week um, and talk about one in particular. Uh, it is called The Witch's House and MV. And it is amazing. I've been playing it on my Spooky Saturday um, it is a uh, a short survival horror game that was made um, on uh, RPG Maker, actually, all the way back in 2012. And it's amazing. You all should try it out. If you like jump scares and like complex riddles and like uh, puzzles and just ridiculous circumstances, um, you should definitely check this out. Basically, you are a girl who gets stuck inside of a witch's house, and your job is to get out of it. Um, and I was, it was recommended to me by a friend of mine, and I have been so very impressed by this. So, um, highly recommend, um, yeah, check it out. It was made by one person, uh, Fumi, who is also a graphic novelist, actually, and um, they have a graphic novel um, called The Witch's House, The Diary of Ellen that, is, um, that this game is based on. So, um, yeah, check it out. If you like JRPGs uh, that are made in uh, um, RPG Maker, do it. So worth it. That's all I got this week for you. Perfect. Let's go with... Uh... It says Allie here. Alex, Alex, Alexis? Yeah, you know what? I realized when we did the introduction, I called myself Alexis for some reason. Even though that is my name, I usually go by Allie. So. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing Returnal, which is a, a rarity around these parts. I don't think anybody on the Game Raven staff has a PlayStation 5. So what's it uh, like? Um, <laughs> it's super fun. Uh I will say, uh, I didn't realize going into it, I honestly didn't know anything about it. I just thought it looked cool, and it was one of the few PS5 games that had come out, so I got it. <laughs> and uh, But yeah, it's a roguelike, so you start over every time you die, pretty much completely over. There's a couple of things you'll pick up along the way that will stay with you, but um, it, and it gets, seems to get harder every time you die, too. <laughs> but basically, it's like they develop this big world uh it's like a puzzle that constantly changes and uh it's like a sci-fi 
kind of game too. And the, the, the world settings you're in space. It, it's amazing. Um, it's kind of addictive. So even time, even though I like couldn't get that far and I died a lot and I had to restart it over and over and over again, uh, when I'm not playing it, I can't stop thinking about wanting to play it. It's really fun. Um, Sarah, Tiffany, do you want to chime in with anything that you're playing? I mean, nothing. <laughs> All right. Testing, testing our game. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, it does kind of take away from your ability to game when you're yeah. constantly making a game. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it harder to want to play, I've noticed. Yeah, I will say, though, I was talking um, to my husband last night, and I want to go back to The Witcher. I've just mm -hmm. got like an itching for it because I never finished it because I had to do all, you know, like 500 side quests. So, <laughs> I yes. do. Yeah, there's so it's many like side quests. I've never oh. finished it. No, oh my God. I, I don't know how long I've been working on that game, but I have to do it in chunks, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm actually reading the books right now, oh, and yeah. um, I just got to the Baptism of Fire, and the books are so good. Like, I, I'm i a reader, so, like, I love my books, and I read um, all the way through the Game of Thrones books up to whatever they have, like, out now, and um, I... I mean, this is a hot take right here, but I think that the Witcher series is um, better than Game of Thrones, actually. The written series. It's so good, mm. you guys. I'll if you like to read. It. read. Oh, it's so good. Check that out. What yes. do you think is better about it than Game of Thrones? I'm curious because I, I have read Game of Thrones as well, but I have not read any of the Witcher books. So now I want to check them out. <laughs> wow. I'm going to be completely honest um, on the podcast again. Hot take. Um, it's like Game of Thrones if it wasn't written by somebody who was so long-winded. <laughs> yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's like every everything that happens and every word that's used is for a purpose. And I'm sure George R.R. Martin meant that too, but I kind of got a little sleepy during Game of Thrones, and I have not felt that once during The Witcher. That's awesome. I think I had the same thing during, um, I think it's called Dance with Dragons. I, I couldn't even get through it, to be honest. The last, I think it's the, the last, last one. one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the yeah. last one. It's a doozy for sure. I did it out of sheer will because I'm, because I was like, I want to tell people that I finished this. So I'm going to finish it. Do I remember most of it? No. <laughs> I slept through most of it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I listened to them as audiobooks, and it was good because it was just like background noise for the longest time. I just got every time I was doing something where I didn't have to fully concentrate. <laughs> so yeah, I got through them through most of them. I think I'm like halfway through the third one, so not most of them. Two and a half. I started yeah. them, but I I literally I think I have all the books. I went to like this used bookstore, and I was like, I'm gonna read all of these. And bought them all for like a dollar each. And I think I got a chapter in. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah. wordy, though, like you said, Puppet. So I totally understand that sentiment, Tiff. As you were like, nope, not today. Oh, <laughs> and I just can't. Yeah. I heard a rumor, which I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard a rumor that um, Henry Cavill might be doing some of the Witcher series on audiobook. And... Oh. I mean, I wouldn't be able to listen because I couldn't concentrate probably if he were reading to me, but <laughs> I am pretty excited about it. <laughs> He's like perfect for that role. Oh, like, yes. Absolutely. He rocks it. Yeah. yeah. And he's a gamer. So, yes. Please. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, I've, I've watched coins. the video of him building his computer, like, maybe too many times. But anyway, <laughs> enough about me and my um, obsession with The Witcher. <laughs> Who's next? <laughs> I think it's just me, the best Henry. That's right. <laughs> Take that, Henry Cavill. There can only be one. <laughs> I'm also shredded like him, too. Don't look up a photo of me. Um, <laughs> I finally beat Persona 5 Royal. I did. I did it. Nice. Um, I beat it, and uh, I didn't unlock the extra content because I didn't know that I had to do a certain thing, and I didn't do it. So I beat the game in 80 hours instead of 100 and uh, now I have to go back and do it all over again. So that kind of sucks a little bit. Uh, other than that, I've been jamming on City Skylines, the game that I played all last summer when I was unemployed. I told myself I would never play it again. I'm playing it again. Uh, thanks to the YouTube algorithm for throwing all sorts of city building videos into my feed. So that got me back on the train. And um, I need more Persona in my life. I'm kind of playing Strikers. I bought it. I'm not really too into it. I've never really been too much into those... Uh, what are those games that they're based on? Oh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, Dynasty Warriors? Never been a Dynasty Warriors guy, so it's kind of weird for me to wrap my brain around. So I've... Uh, Started up Persona 4 Golden again, which I have not beat. And I'm also playing Ridge Racer 4 for some reason. I've always wanted to play Ridge Racer, so got that rolling on the old PlayStation. <laughs> and that's about it for me. Sweet. Let's move on. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alright, coming up next is our question of the week. Uh, stick around for that. It's a brand new uh, question. Obviously, we haven't done this podcast in two weeks. It's probably showing, so we'll be right back. <laughs> Actually, every day we ask a question on our public Discord, which you can join at GameRavenReview.com for anybody to answer. So I have selected my favorite question from this week, and we are going to expand on it, talk about it. And that question for this week is, how do you feel gaming has improved your life? Which a lot of people would say gaming does not improve your life at all. Uh, it's, it's worse. Some people say some detractors of, of, of this art form, but, uh, you know, we love games, I guess a little bit. That's kind of why we do this podcast. So how has gaming improved your life puppet? Well, okay. I have a couple answers to this. Um, but first I'm going to give you like <laughs> the really silly answer. Um, gaming actually helps me do my chores. This sounds weird, but like when I'm playing like Stardew Valley or like Animal Crossing or something, I like feel super productive and I get into this like productive mode. And then I'm like, oh, I should take a break and do my chores. And then I feel like and this is so silly, but I feel like I'm like, I don't know, I, I'm getting points or something in my own house because I'm like doing my chores. So for me, like it, it helps my mood and it helps me like approach things in my life that I don't necessarily want to do in a much better way because I just, I don't know, I play a video game that's like somewhat similar to what I have to do. So like um, I 
yeah, it just gets me in the mood to do that. So that's my silly answer. Um, my like, let's get real answer. Um, over the course of my life, uh, unfortunately, like a lot of people my age, we have been through a lot in our lives and I have leaned on video games to help me escape, um, when I need to. And, um, it's really helped me, uh, on a mental health level to kind of cope with, uh, life when it feels pretty chaotic. I know for sure in particular, like this last year with, um, COVID and the world kind of like falling apart around us um, and so many changes happening. It was such a lifesaver for me to have Animal Crossing come out and uh, a bunch of other games that kind of helped me feel like I was, I was like, there's some kind of order back in my life um, and there was something to look forward to. And I will be real, like there have been times when I literally like a video game was the reason I woke up the next morning. Like I, I wanted to play a video game in the morning and that's what got me out of bed. Um, so those are my two answers. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> uh, gaming for me has been a huge part of my life uh, because it, I went on a long hiatus with it. I played a lot of video games as a kid and it was like how my brother and I kept ourselves busy on a regular basis. Um, but then as an adult, I didn't game for like six or seven years while I was raising a kid on my own. Um, and I went into a different career as a software programmer and um, realized pretty quickly into it that I was not happy. Um, and um, gaming was kind of what got me through that miserable period. And it also opened my eyes because it was like, you know, I love the escape that gaming offers so much. Um, and I felt like I wasn't getting enough creative expression in my job in software programming. I don't think many software programmers do get that. Um, and it pushed me to pursue a bachelor's degree in game programming instead. And then I started a game studio with two of my best friends. <laughs> and uh, three and a half years later, I'm making games every day. So it's done a lot for my life. We can go next. Um, <laughs> For me, I mean, gaming is just a way to, like, relax, uh, even though, like, they can be really stressful when you're, you know, can't beat a boss or or whatever. Um, but lately, and I think this is due to COVID, like, you know, with everyone separated, I, you know, you're not, you're not getting to see your friends as often. And so for a while, uh, my friends and I, like, every Friday night or Saturday, we would all game together. So for us, it was like, you know, you know a way to stay in contact and and just relax and you know hang out like we would normally go over to each other's houses and now we can't so we're gaming and uh playing some scary games and screaming at midnight but you know it's fine <laughs> um but yeah so relaxing and improving friendship i guess as corny as that sounds um yeah yeah absolutely i i feel that too tiffany like um uh, as a like I didn't stream before COVID mm -hmm. um, and I know it was it's kind of like a bandwagon like a lot of people did because we had nothing else to do but I didn't even think about the social aspect like um, I am a very social person like we we have big parties at our house all the time or we did before the pandemic and just having that escape where I can be on Twitch and I'm like hanging out with people in a way um, and even here on Discord, like Discord has been amazing just in that it's allowed us to like connect with others and play games with others still. 
Um, and I've been really impressed um, with a lot of like couch co-op games I've noticed um, have been accommodating for the pandemic and have gone, you know, so you can uh, play remotely with your friends. And um, that's been that's been super cool. So I totally feel it. Absolutely. Nice way to stay connected. And even though you can't be there, so lessens the blow, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, like, I feel like it's um, connected me to friends from around the world as well, like gaming has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've made friends from all over the world through gaming that I still talk to on a regular basis for years. Some of the best friends I've made are through gaming. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, I, I've always loved meeting new people and different people from different um, backgrounds because I've learned so much just about the world. And um, it's given it's given me like a way to connect with people that I wouldn't necessarily connect with. You know, if somebody's living on the other side of the world and has a completely different life than I do, um, I wouldn't really know what to say to them or how to connect with them. But if we like the right. same game, we can talk forever about that game. And it's awesome. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. For me, I think gaming... Uh... Like, I don't play games, I don't really play a lot of multiplayer games, so I've never had, like, that that social aspect of, you know, meeting friends and having lasting relationships with people from all over the world. I don't have that, but I do enjoy the escapism of games, which is why I also think I'm a failed streamer, because it's, like, weird, like, other people watching me play, because when I play games, I just want to, like, disappear. Persona 5 is, like, the perfect example of that. I felt empty after I was... Uh, done playing that game but the whole time i was i was playing it i just wanted to play more of it i wanted to see more of the story i wanted to be fully engrossed in that world so i think that's kind of i guess it hasn't like improved my life at all like maybe it has i don't know persona 5 taught me that i don't have to do everything uh all in a day i can really just plan stuff out and there will always be tomorrow uh which is something that i struggle with is that like oh, i only have so much time on this earth i don't know when i'm going to leave it so uh yeah, Persona 5 helped me with that. That was a really weird roundabout way of answering that question, but I did it. Yay, good job, Henry. <laughs> I totally agree with you, though, Henry. I'm super introverted, and I actually, like, whenever I do game, I don't, I usually do it solitary. Like, it's a solitary thing for me, but it's that, like, escapism piece of it that is so important it's the same reason that i love fantasy books we were talking about books earlier it's just a really nice way to kind of tune out those intrusive thoughts that can come sometimes come to you you know in your reality quote unquote um so it's just a really nice way to kind of just take a little adventure and like cool off and just take some me time you know what i mean exactly yeah, yeah. I, love I love single player games more more than co-op in fact i don't really play a lot of co-op and or, or like like massively multiplayer games i like co-op games where i play with like one other person and we go journey together versus like you know uh kind of like the game journey <laughs> like you know, but not like when i'm uh not like PUBG or fortnite or anything like that i have found i think recently oh go ahead i'm sorry I was just going to say, I think, too, um, as developers, we've recently found a cool thing about gaming. Actually, we were talking about Returnal earlier, and I was watching Ali play not too long ago. And 
just the ideas that it was sparking for us as developers and as creators, yeah. just seeing what other people are doing well and how we can maybe kind of incorporate some of the same elements, of course, in our own way. Um, but it, it, it's been really great for brainstorming, kind of coming up with yeah. those new ideas, which has been surprising, but really awesome. Yeah, definitely. That is super cool. That's awesome. Uh, I guess, uh, I guess that's it. I guess we'll move on to the main topic. Yeah. All right, let's do it. <laughs> All right, we have answered the question of the week. We'll answer another one next week, of course. But up next, we are going to talk about women in gaming, femmes in gaming. Puppet will take the wheel of the USS uh, Game Raven Review podcast. And we'll uh, ask some questions and uh, have a good discussion after this. some amazing ladies with us and i've been looking forward to this podcast for a lot of reasons partially because i do identify as female and i am in gaming and also uh i love cristala which we i realize we just we just mentioned in passing um but it's an amazing game and i want you guys our listeners to know a little bit more about it so ali can you just fill us in what is Cristala? All right. Uh, yeah. Cristala is a 3D dark fantasy action RPG um, that we are developing in Unreal Engine right now. Um, it transports you into the role of a sentient anthropomorphic feline warrior known as an Anagativa, um, who must master the six magic specialties of the ancient sacred crystals in order to become a famed Raksaka warrior. Um, as you complete your epic proving, uh, you must also uncover who's behind the terrible curse that suddenly transformed the creatures of Ilor into mutated bloodthirsty beasts. <laughs> nice. You just went through all of those big words and it was beautiful. I love it. You guys like made up all of those words, right? Like how oh, yeah. we have a whole language that we've uh that we're working on for uh Cristala. The the beings on, or the beings that it live in Crystal, all the anthropomorphic beings, they live on a planet called Ilor, um, and they all speak Iloran. And so we've been working on. We actually just made our own font for the uh, for Iloran. We're gonna have a whole Ooh. lexicon. It's pretty cool. That is so cool. Oh my god. Well, I did have the pleasure of playing this game, and I'm obsessed with it. And I've been obsessed with it. Um, and I definitely pronounced like. 90% of those words incorrectly on stream. So, uh, <laughs> um, but you guys have been awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you guys have been awesome. So Ali, what, what, who are you in the whole astral clockwork studios thing? Like, what do you do? Uh, I am actually the founding owner of astral clock tower studios. Um, I'm also our producer and I've, I've worn many other hats, uh, which is, just kind of how indie gaming works. We started off as like a much smaller team than we are now. So um, I went from being like our lead programmer and producer to being our lead animator and producer to just now being the producer <laughs> and telling everyone else what to do. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, I, I totally get that with Game Raven. You just kind of jump into whatever is needed. 
because it's your baby and you know you just fill in where you need to i get it you wear many hats i'm very familiar with that um (laughs) (laughs) speaking of which sarah who are you and what do you do Hello, I am Sarah, and um, in addition to being one of the three lovely leading ladies of Astro Clock Tower Studios, I am also our marketing director. So everything from social posts to managing our dev blog to running our Patreon campaign and managing our Discord server, I do it all. Um, So yeah, many hats, like we said. Yes, very important hats, let me tell you. Oh my god, very important. Tiffany! Tell us about you. Well, I uh, like to think that I'm pretty decent at level design. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I do our level design. Uh, I also played around uh, when we needed it. I wore the programming hat just a little bit. Um, If I'm being honest, I'm glad that I have handed that all over to our programmers (laughs) now. Um, yeah, so, and then we all kind of work together and, and do, like, the overall design for the levels, too. So, yeah, that's me. Nice. Well, um, now that we have context, <laughs> we talked about Christelle a little bit. Um, I, I'm just going to jump into our questions. Um, my first question, actually, Tiffany, or I'm sorry, Allie, you, uh, you actually answered this a little bit in our question of the week. But I was wondering if you wanted to expand at all. How did you get into gaming, uh, first off? And how did you get into development? What was that journey like for you? Um, and do you want to fill in a little bit for us? Um, sure. I, I started gaming as a kid. My dad was really into... Um, he was a software programmer. And uh, he played a lot of Doom and Wolfenstein when I was little. Uh, and he got me my first game. It was Mickey Mouse Birthday. It was the best game. <laughs> you had to go you had to go to this toy factory and make toys for Mickey to surprise him for his birthday and I still remember it so clearly like it was and I found the floppy disk while I was cleaning out his house I was very excited um but wow. from there uh, we got a Nintendo I remember so I played a lot of Mario with my brother um and then a Super Nintendo and a PlayStation we only had one game ever on the PlayStation though and it was Gran Turismo and we had like a steering wheel and everything my brother I, <laughs> I played that game to death um, but through most of my uh, childhood years, my favorite system was uh, Super Nintendo, and I played a lot of Super Mario Bros. Um, and then after I finished high school, and uh, there was a few years there, like a chunk of time, where I really didn't game much outside of like pulling out my old Super Nintendo now and, now and then. Um, and then I had a daughter during that time, so it was kind of hard to get gaming time in. Um, but I had a friend at one of my jobs reintroduced me to gaming because I got addicted to this um, (laughs) zombie game on my cell phone uh, called SAS4. It's still around. That game is so fun. (laughs) And uh, he was like, if you like that game, you would love Left 4 Dead. And then I I, I started playing Left 4 Dead on PC, and that kind of, like, got me back into everything. Um, And I, I just played a lot of games after that point. Like, I played the Fallout games, and I had some catching up to do. You know, I'd missed a chunk of time. Uh, and then I found Bloodborne on PlayStation. I, I don't remember why. I, got, I think I got myself a PlayStation because I tried The Last of Us on PlayStation 3, and I wanted to make sure I had a PS4 in case they ever made a second one, and then they did, which was awesome. <laughs> but uh, So then I got Bloodborne <clears throat> for the PlayStation 4, and that game completely changed the way I felt about video games. It was one that I really, I just fell so deeply in love with that game. 
Uh, I played it to death. I still, I think probably have more hours in Bloodborne than anything else combined. Um, and uh, it was the game that made me realize that I, you know, I was um, not on the right career path. I wasn't doing what something that I was really passionate about. So that's when I decided to go back to school. At that point, I was, yeah, I was, I'd been a software developer for a couple of years and wasn't super happy with it. It didn't have enough creative expression. And um, like I mentioned in my answer before, I just, my biggest thing was that I wanted to create uh, an escape, like a fantasy world that I just, like the ultimate escape that I could think of, like the coolest world that I could think of. Um, and uh, so I went back to school and then met Tiffany <laughs> in one of our classes. We worked on a group project. We were both working on our bachelor's degrees in um, game programming, which is funny because neither of us are game programmers now. <laughs> but we decided to, uh, I went to her because I wanted to learn more or, you know, there's school can only teach you so much. There's only enough time. There's a small window and they like give you the tools you need to pick up and go uh, out into the world. But you still basically learn most of what you need to know in pretty much any field uh, on the job. So Tiffany and I decided we were going to uh, work together to make like a little fun cat game. <laughs> but <clears throat> Tiffany and I were both very ambitious and uh we couldn't i don't know we just couldn't bring ourselves to do the little 2d fun cat game that we originally had come up with and over the years it it, it evolved into what you what cristala is now which is uh i would say like a dark fantasy souls like game about cat warriors and rat warriors and all sorts of crazy monsters nice yeah just a little bit different <laughs> i love it. Yeah, it changed a bit it was going to be like an adventure game about a cat uh who was you know you know doing something to earn a certain kind of goal but it was like you know an adventure game it was not going to have like a ton of combat i remember we, were, we talked about doing puzzles and then at one point we were going to have like a a boss fight with a stinky farting rat <laughs> <laughs> and now you have a uh, farting bugs with yeah. poison yeah. farts fart so i love it we couldn't, we couldn't ditch the farts entirely <laughs> Parts are funny. Oh yeah, I mean, we also uh, I, I got lucky enough to meet Sarah at my last, my very last job in software, um, and I stole her, and now she's she's my other partner. So she does marketing, and Tiffany does a level design, and I tell everyone what to do. So that's a good transition. Uh, Tiffany, how did you get into gaming, and then how did you get into development? Okay, so um, I mean, I've been gaming for forever. <laughs> Um, the, the first system that I can remember playing on, um, would be our Atari. And then my mom's, she worked at Healer Package. So she was like, got to bring home this massive giant computer that we had set up on our dining room table, because that's the only place that it would fit. Um, and playing, I don't remember what, but I just remember it was a green screen and it, I think it was like Oregon trails or something like that. Um, that was, that was where it all started. Um, and then for me, gaming's always been a part of my life. Um, especially growing up, my brother and I would play like whatever we could get our hands on. Um, for a while, uh, my favorite game was Echo, uh, that was the full, I think it's like Echo the Dolphin or whatever, which, uh, we played on the Sega. That game is so hard. I tried to play that a couple like last year and i i can't beat it i don't know i don't know it's that game is hard nobody um, can beat that game i tried when i was a kid i rented that uh, game so many times and i i hate echo the dolphin 
I I love and hate it. Like I know, it's right? It's so freaking hard. But uh, I think I feel like I beat it as a kid. And looking back, I'm like, how? I don't how. Like I I'd like to think I got smarter, but apparently my kid me was amazing at that game. Um, but yeah. So yeah, it's always been a part of my life. Um, and then as an adult. Um, I was a veterinary technician uh, for a while, for like 15 years, and it never really felt like something that I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I remember talking to my dad and I was just like, you know, what did you always think that I would be? And he told me a graphic designer and I was like, okay, that's not what I want to do, but like, why? And it was the creative part of it. Um, which I'm, I'm a pretty creative person. Uh, I, I like to, you know, like make things and learn how to do things, um, which got me thinking. I'm like, why wouldn't I want to do something that like I absolutely love? Um, and games are something that I love. It's something that is fun and exciting and, and always changing and always challenging you. Um, so yeah, I looked into it and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll go to this school. And uh, yeah, for, you know, game programming and design. Um, and yeah, that's that's where it all started. Met Allie on our super cool group project that I like to laugh about. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that the rest is history. So best decision Imagine. ever to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's super like inspirational, especially for somebody like me who's in their late 20s and you know, can you go back to school when it's too late? Like, you know, but life is so fluid, man. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late to never too late to do something you love. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you did it because now you know we have this cool game that you guys are working on. So selfishly, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sarah, it's your turn. Yes, ma'am. Well, actually, unlike Ali and Tiff, I actually have a pretty surprising and non-traditional relationship with gaming for somebody who finds herself as the co-owner of an indie game studio. Um, so as a little girl, I had a Super Nintendo and an N64, which I really loved the Donkey Kong games, all three of them, <laughs> on the Super Nintendo. That was probably my favorite. But after that and after the N64, I kind of like I don't have a big relationship with modern gaming. Um, so it's pretty interesting, again, that I find myself in the position that I'm in. Um, Allie had kind of alluded to earlier, we met at a day job that we both had, and I'm not even kidding you, like, I met Allie, and then within two weeks, she was like, hey, do you want to join my game studio with Tiffany and, like, be a co-owner and do marketing for us? Um, and so I was actually, like, super nervous and hesitant to say yes for that reason because i felt like i didn't have a, a solid grasp on modern gaming but i thought you know why not here's an opportunity to be creative like tiffany was talking about and to kind of do something that's a little bit more exciting um and to use my degree which i, I have a degree in marketing and i've been working in the digital marketing space for about 10 years and um depending on what you're marketing it can be sort of boring and i really liked the idea that the gaming industry was very loose and fun and that you could establish a really um, personable voice and, and, and 
form a, a solid community that's again fun and engaging um so yeah I, I took a chance and i said yes and i'll tell you what it definitely has been one of the best decisions of my life i mean not only do i have ali and tiffany and um we've become like family truly along with our incredible development team but um it's just been such a journey and yeah like i said creative outlet and wonderful people that we're meeting and um yeah it's been awesome i i, I love it that's so cool. Um, and, and that's kind of, uh, yeah, uh, I totally feel that. And we'll, we'll, we'll dive more into uh, the things that you just talked about in a little bit. But first, I want to ask this question. And I know it's kind of a minefield a little bit, especially if you are female, identify as female, um, and you're in gaming. Um, so feel free to share as much as you want to. Um, and feel free to not share whatever you don't want to, but, um, what are some challenges you have faced as a female, um, dev or a female gamer throughout your life? Um, Tiffany, I just saw you unmute yourself. So would you like to start? I have this. <laughs> we were actually talking about this a little bit, um, earlier, the ladies and I, and I think the thing for me that sticks out the most is people tend to stereotype um like ex we're three women and we're making a game and you know a lot of people when they think about that and they're just like oh they must be making something adorable and cute and you know and it's not i mean <laughs> um we're <laughs> yeah. you know we're we're making something there's cute elements i mean you know but it's it that's not what the game that we're creating is about um, and so I think that that's, that's just the one thing that stands out to, uh, to me the most is, uh, people like to stereotype, you know? And so, you know, we're trying to break that. <laughs> um, yeah. And easy. you're doing a great job of it for <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> right. Like the expectations, um, that people have, um, of you making a cute game. And then you're like, no, this is like, no, take us seriously because this is a serious game. This is a yes. souls like game. It's not yes. going to be easy. <laughs> not going to be easy it's not cute and adorable like yes it's fantasy but that doesn't mean that it's you know cute so yeah, yeah. part of the fun is that i think with cristela is that it does have these animal elements which are cute i mean mm -hmm. I, I think our our characters are pretty cute but um you know it's uh part of the fun is that we get to surprise people when they actually play it because it's it's not a cutesy game at all <laughs> it's not what people expect out of three females <laughs> like surprise <laughs> this game is gonna kick your butt so <laughs> get ready yeah, I found that there, there haven't been too many challenges related to us being women in terms of game development i mean if anything it's perk like people are excited about it because it's not as common um but i think it's more i, I actually have noticed that it's more uh I, i've had more trouble in being a gamer than um actually as a developer like a lot of women will experience this if they play co-op in games, they'll purposely, you know, mute themselves and stuff because they just don't want to be harassed. <laughs> um, and I've had a couple of weird uh, instances uh, where someone didn't or someone got a little obsessive and I got, you know, or, and you just want to be nice. It's like a kind of the woman default thing is we always try to be nice because you don't want to set anyone off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, have people start harassing you and it's only like worse when you're a developer because you have to consider your reputation you don't want somebody getting angry at you for not 
loving them the way they want you to or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's happened a couple of times uh, just as a gamer. And then also as a developer, I've had a couple of weird interactions that I wonder, you know, that a, a, a guy would not end up dealing with. I mean, they probably do eventually develop every developer who gets, you know, any sort of following would probably have to deal with some, someone weird every now and then. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. That it's even limited to being a woman. <laughs> yeah, I think it is unique, though. Like, it's interesting you talk about the um, uh, the dichotomy of like, there's really great stuff. And then there's also like, really not great stuff. And I feel that very much so, like, especially as a streamer. Um, yeah. You know, people, when I'm just in chat on Twitch, people default to thinking that I'm a guy just because of my username. Um, and how could a puppet master be a woman, you know? Um, until they see my profile, they're like, oh, okay, that's a woman. Um, and, but you know, so I, I do get the weirdos, but then I also get people who just watch me because they're like, oh, cool. You're a female who plays horror. That's awesome. You know? So there's like a trait it's yeah, I totally feel that, that trade off for sure. Um, and there are also some other things that I honestly can get away with a little bit better because I'm a female, you know? Um, and there are other things that I just don't get recognized for, or I don't be, I'm not taken seriously, you know, uh, yeah. because I'm a female. So, yeah. We've had to, we've had to be a little careful. Well, it's just been something that we've talked about and thought about as far as how we're presenting ourselves as a brand to the world. Like at first we actually weren't touting a lot that we were a completely female owned and operated studio because we thought, well, yeah, this is great. And and we're doing something that's sort of unique in that sense. But also, like, we want to be noticed for the IP that we're creating for the game that we're developing, you know what I mean? And we didn't want it to be like this leg up. But at the same time, you know, after having that discussion and kind of talking through it, like, this is something we should be proud of. And we are, you know, and so that's why it's something that we definitely discuss now. And we talk about more openly and in in the, uh, excuse me, in a public manner. True. Yeah, For a year or so that we were on social media. I don't think we actually talked about it much at all. And then we decided one day, you know what, we should mention it because it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's really cool. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's definitely inspirational. Um, Sarah, I'm I'm really interested because you said that you've been in um uh you know internet marketing for a while. Um, and you kind of talked about this a little bit, but even outside of games, like how, how is that navigating yourself, like as a female on the interwebs? I mean, just in general, I try to like, there's things that I think that we think about as women that some men at least might not even consider like on my social profiles, even for instance, I don't do a lot of sharing personal details about where I work or, you know, where I'm going, tagging my locations, stuff like that. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I have to be cognizant of certain things and putting out certain information um, in case there's somebody that happens to, I don't know, use the information for nefarious reasons. I also watch a lot of ID, ID discoveries. So there's a lot of like, (laughs) I don't want to be murdered. Yeah, but yeah, it's just interesting. I think I think there's just things that we think about again as women that that it's a daily thing, you know, too. It's like every day I'm I'm thinking about kind of how how I'm portraying myself or or rather just putting information out there about myself, you know what I mean? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially like 
like to again as a streamer like okay what shirt am i am i wearing how am i like positioning myself like how is the camera positioned like i personally i think about that like so much and even if i post on instagram like okay how do i look could this be construed in one way or another like and i find myself like overthinking it because no matter what we do it's uh, people are going to take it how they take it you know um and it's it's so freaking hard so that's that's really interesting that you mentioned that. I've also, um, you know, in, in real life, you know, we we face that, and of course, it would translate to the our lives on the internet as well, um, and if not, even more magnified, um, just because there's more exposure there, um, literally. So, um, yeah, super super interesting. Um, so, uh, does anybody else have anything to say about uh, challenges before we move on to the next question? No? Cool. Yeah, I don't. Cool. Um, well, for me in particular, uh, one of the biggest challenges is imposter syndrome, which a lot of us have felt at some point. Um, and I just wanted to ask you three, uh, you know, have you felt imposter syndrome? And how, how do you handle it when you do? Um, and I feel like, Sarah, you kind of mentioned this a little bit. Um, when you were talking about your uh, your gaming experience and getting into development, can you tell us a little bit more about that? For sure, yeah, I can totally relate to imposter syndrome and like in the capacity that you were just saying as not being a modern gamer and not knowing a lot of modern games or having played them or tried them out. Um, there are thoughts I have often where I'm like. I, I shouldn't be, I'm not good enough to be in this role. Like, how do I own this studio? How am I in this industry? Um, but it's really helped with the people around me, especially Ali and Tiffany, and of course, our incredible development team, where I'm learning something new every day, and I am doing it. And I am a talented marketer. I, I, I do feel confident in that sense. So, um, you know, I, I'm happy to be where I'm at, but I certainly have had those moments where I feel like, you know, I get nervous about it and I feel really self-conscious about it sometimes. And, and it's a crappy feeling, I gotta say. <laughs> For sure. You are amazing marketer, Sarah. You really are. <laughs> Thank you. I want to jump in real quick and ask Sarah, um, do you feel, cause I, I have a degree in communications and, uh, marketing as well. And I was wondering, do you feel like since you don't really have a background in gaming, do you feel like when you're doing your marketing now, is it a gift or a curse to not have that that knowledge? I know like imposter syndrome, obviously, I deal with it all the time. <laughs> I, I do like the same kind of work. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, do, do you feel like, like it's more freeing to not know or do you feel like it's more constricting to to not know? I wouldn't say more freeing or constricting. I think at the beginning, I definitely was worried in the sense of like, how am I going to market to gamers? But if you think about gamers, like so many different groups of people, diverse groups of people love gaming. And that is one of the absolutely most wonderful things about marketing in this industry is because it, it it isn't just gaming that defines these people, right? It's all of the other things that they love and that they're into. So yeah, there was a learning curve at the beginning with kind of knowing the lingo, you know, as is the case with any industry and kind of learning about different things and, and using the right terms um, and all of that kind of stuff. But 
I really do find that it's such a loose and fun um, and accepting group of folks for the most part. You know what I mean? And and so it's it's just been a, a blast, honestly, to to shift into this industry and to market uh, in the gaming industry. Yeah, I feel like in the indie gaming industry in particular, I feel like is um, far more supportive. Um, I have found just just in the waters that I've swam in. Um, and uh, I think it's just because like, yeah, it's just such a diverse group and, and they totally embrace that. Like I, I experience a lot of imposter syndrome because um, like you, Sarah, I had a big gap in my life where I just didn't game or I wasn't able to game. It wasn't accessible to me. Like I, I was a little sister and I got into gaming because my big brother, you know, had a Game Boy and my parents got me a Game Boy too. And um, you know, later on, if I, you know, we went over to cousins' houses or something and they had a PlayStation and I wanted to play, they they would hurt me if I tried to, you know, and they would tell me, like, girls don't play games, girls don't play games. And so as I grew up, I just thought, well, girls don't play games, so I'm not going to play games. And it wasn't until very recently that I jumped back in. So you know, when I'm sitting here like talking with developers or gamers, or if I'm on Twitch, you know, a lot of times people reference games that I just, I missed because I had, you know, 15 years where I just never played anything because I was convinced that gaming was for boys. And um, so I, I totally, I, I totally feel that imposter syndrome in that, like, you don't necessarily have any context. Um, but Henry, it's interesting that you asked if you feel like it's a benefit to you. And um, I, I feel like f for me, like with Game Raven and um, with uh, how we are uh, marketing indie games, it allows it does allow me to be more open and to listen better, I guess, um, because I don't have any context. And, um, you know, when I'm asking questions, they're genuine questions. Like, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, can you explain this to me in a different way? Or how how can you, you know, communicate that um, in a different way? Um, and it kind of helps me to relate to younger people, too, who don't have that same, like, history. Um, and we're, you know, I mean, we're finding more and more, like, you know, young people are learning about indie games and supporting indie games. And, um it's just it's it's like a connection thing. It allows you to be more open. And I didn't think about that until you asked that question, Henry. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. I, I asked that because I've been doing a lot of reflecting as far as like uh, like music is concerned. Um, why I can't write music anymore. But I used to be able to like all the time as a kid and I would just like write songs and songs and songs. I think it's because I know too much now that it's stifling creativity creative wise i'm not trying to get too far off of the subject here today but it's that has just been on my mind uh imposter syndrome and all that stuff so yeah interesting cool well um ali and tiffany you guys seem like you know you're perfect and you would never ever feel like this at all <laughs> no i'm just kidding um do you guys ever feel like this or have you like you know um have you not you know uh what what are your thoughts um, for me, um, I, I, I used to feel a lot of imposter syndrome in the last field I worked in, uh, software development. But I mean, I, I think I felt it accurately. I didn't really belong in that, in that field. And I, used, and I used to always think to myself, like, what am I doing here? I don't even have 
the motivation to teach myself new things and it's because I hate it. So I don't like, clearly I don't belong here. Um, and in fact, one of the ways that I knew that I was on the right path is I've never really felt that way as a game dev. I've always felt like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, there were definitely times when I was picking up new skills, like when I used to be our lead programmer and eventually I had to replace myself so that we would have an animator. And I taught myself how to do 3D animation and rigging and just kind of went for it. And um, uh, it just happened to work out okay. Like it was it was lucky, but there were definitely times where I was like, what am I doing? I don't know how to animate and I'm just doing this. But I mean, that's just the way that game dev kind of works. Uh, and I actually decided to go and get my master's degree in 3D animation because I didn't want to feel like I, I was doing something I didn't, you know, I didn't have any business doing. I wanted to make sure I felt like an expert. In it. So, I mean, that's usually my solution when I want to know something and I feel like, um, I feel like, uh, or I'm having imposter syndrome about like, what, you know, I don't, clearly I'm not qualified for this. What am I doing? Um, but, uh, is to just dive into it head first. I spent months and months in tutorial world trying to figure out how to rig an anime. And it, it did make me feel a lot better about it when I got further into it. And when I went to school and I was already like ahead. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I feel that too. Like I find myself, um, I guess uh, I don't want to say overcompensating, just compensating for my um, my feeling of imposter syndrome. Like if somebody mentions a game or if, if somebody, um, you know, says something that I don't understand, I'm always Googling stuff. Like I'm always looking into it and I'm like, I want to be like, I don't know what this means, but I want to be the expert on this. So the next time we talk about it, I can talk about it with confidence. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. Tiffany, Unless do you have to do with software programming? Then I avoid it like the plague. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Tiffany, do you have any other thoughts that you want to share? Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, um, I, it's kind of my imposter syndrome kind of comes from like when I first started in school, honestly. And it was more so like, is this really where I belong? Um, cause even in school, I mean, I think that besides Allie, there was like a handful of, of women. <laughs> so I'm in, you know, this industry has been male dominated for years now. And so it was kind of one of those things where it was just like, okay, well, like, do I belong here? Is this really what I want to be doing? And it was like, yeah, cause I love it. Like I enjoy it. I love learning new things. Um, it's just it's awesome. Like I get to be creative and I get to learn new, you know, new things. Um, every once in a while I will be like, uh, I don't know how to do this or, Oh, this doesn't look right. Like our fog. <laughs> I experience that just this frustration, you know, of just like, I don't know how to do this. I, I can't get it to look like what I want it to look like. And am I going to be able to do this? And then for me, what I do is I go to like one of my favorite spots in our build and I will just sit there and stare at all these things that I've helped create. And I'm just like, yeah, this is where I belong. And mm. that's, that's kind of how I get over it. It's just like, it's, it's okay to not know something and it's okay to you know need to learn it. Um, and that's, yeah. Wow. So I love it. that. Yeah. A little inspirational quote for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
going back to what you love and reminding yeah. yourself why you're here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. I love that. Well, um, okay. On to the next question. Do you feel that your identity as a female influences the way that you create or even game? Who would like to start? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, some, when I first looked over this question, I thought really the only area I can think of where it matters is it just comes to maybe my ability to multitask. <laughs> Because I think, uh, especially moms get really, really good at that. Like I can, uh, completely tune out other things and go into this like crazy hyper-focused zone. Uh, but, and I can also jump around like crazy and do a million different things at once. So definitely, uh, influences the way that I, I, uh, create. I think I'm basically in the most perfect job I could be in for myself. Cause I literally can't pay attention to one thing for too long. I have to bounce around a lot and be able to handle, handle multiple things at once. Um, in terms of video games, I don't really think it, I don't know how I could say it affects me other than like, I like playing as female characters. Like I prefer to be a female character. <laughs> I'd like to have the choice. Um, and I like to make her really pretty. I don't know why it matters to me, but it does. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. Same. It's part of the reason why I like games like Cristala, where you get a choice to play as, you know, more than you get, you can be male or female, or you can, and you get a, a bit of customization. So in the full version of Cristala, you'll get, you know, a choice of six different look of looks for cats out of the six different clans, like they'll all look different. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get the chance to um, personalize your character and make them yours. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's super appealing for somebody who doesn't find themselves, like, landing in the, in the boxes, you know, that society, the big boxes that society has for all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I would definitely say it kind of gives you a leg up because you know what it's like to not land in one of those boxes. And so now you're making your own game and you can provide, you know, that space for those that, you know, weren't able to find a space before in other games. Um, and especially like in RPGs, like it's so important that the player finds themselves in fully immersed. And to do that, you know, they need to identify closely with the character that they're playing. And how can you do that if if you don't feel like you're them, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like that's something that we've always had in mind, too, you know, um, because we want to make sure that people feel included. So even from the very beginning, it was just like, okay, how can we include, you know, more than just, you know, a, a male player or like a female player or whatever. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that I, has anything to do with being a female, you know, like, dev, right. but we know how it, it feels to on the outside. Make sense. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't talk over you. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I get the point you're making. Like it mattered yeah. to us that the choice was there and that's probably yes. because we grew up without as much choice in our games as yeah. many role models in our games. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, having mm -hmm. the female be the, you know, the one that, you know, the damsel in distress. And that's kind of like, I don't know, the games that we grew up with. So having, you know, a badass female that <laughs> you can play as, it's, it's cool. 
Yes. Actually, I didn't realize that one of the things that actually did impact a development decision because we started with the female character. We purposely made and animated her first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we just true. didn't think about it. We defaulted to it. And that's not typically the case in studios that are making a game where you can choose to be male or female. They usually do the male animations first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you guys have done a wonderful job. Like if I could answer this question for you, like I'd, I don't know how your animation process is, but my first impression of this game was like, this this woman looks like a woman. Like this is what <laughs> it would look yep. like, you know, like and that doesn't I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like I've I've played plenty of games where they give you the, the two options and it's obvious they started with the male and they just kind of slapped boobs on the male like structure. <laughs> And you're like, ah, no, we're a little bit different. Like, we're built a little bit different. Like, <laughs> or they'll over-exaggerate certain parts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. A lot of female characters in games can be, like, super busty or sultry in the way they look. You know, super exaggerated hips and waistline breasts and all of that. And, um, yeah, I think we we actually took care to make sure that our female character the player character and certainly some of the other female um npcs in the game just uh, like represent a more um standard female body type if you will not that there is a standard type but you get what i'm saying not those exaggerated features like that you know just kind of uh, a regular gal but also a warrior you know she's kind of athletic in stature <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for sure for the new model we're working on now that's going to be coming into the game um for our with our character modeler, I, I remember saying to him when she first was making her make her look like a female soccer player, <laughs> and he did. He did a good job. <laughs> yeah, nice. And and her clothing, like her her armor, it looks like armor. It's not like sometimes I play games and it's like you know I'm the female, so I wear this armor and it like covers nothing. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> How am I protected in this? I'm wearing a magic. Okay? It's magic. It's a magic. <laughs> We've actually joked about having a like a set of armor for a male character that's like super scandalous. Like for that reason, just to kind of like poke fun at, at, about that. Like I don't know if we're actually going to do it, but it was just kind of like a funny idea that like, it's hey, you know, there's these. Yeah, there are these ridiculous armor sets for for female characters sometimes. So let's you know let's do something ridiculous for the male. <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm all for it. I love it so much. Wow, oh that's cool. So this next question is kind of very similar to the previous question. So like, how do you feel your perspective might be different um, from male devs or gamers, and in what ways does this benefit or challenge you? Yeah, this actually uh, flows really well from the last discussion. I was actually writing this down, thinking about this question, because one of the things I thought about was that um, men are, uh, have never, especially the ones in the same kind of uh, generation as us, um, they've never had to consider um, the way that men are presented in video games. Uh, they've always had strong, tough role, mo- role models in their games. Um, and we didn't really have that as women until more recently. Um, there was, you know, Lara Croft came came into the picture, but she was still hyper-sexualized from the beginning. Um, and then we had uh, Samus in Metroid Prime, but or Metroid, and, you know, eventually she was also kind of, you know, sexualized. It was like, ooh, it's a girl, but she's also in a hot pink bikini. And, <laughs> and yep. play, play, uh, play, be- play better to see her in said bikini. Um, so it's, it's only a really a more recent thing uh, to see strong female protagonists that aren't hyper-sexualized or damsels in distress. 
um, kind of like uh, Zelda. It's always you always are rescuing Zelda or Princess Peach. Nintendo does that a lot. Um, so I think from the start, we came into this wanting to make sure we made a game that it didn't really gender was kind of irrelevant. Like it doesn't really matter. Kind of. That's actually one of the things I've always loved about souls games is that gender, it, the choice, your choice in gender only affects like the way your character looks and moves. But you know, overall you're just as tough as a female character as a male. It doesn't really change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was actually one of the things that really drew, drew me to their games was like the character customization and the fact that I could just be this super tough girl. So uh, I think that that definitely, um, you know, I think a lot of women in video game or into video games or making video games would would agree that that's like the big area that one of the big inspirations in making a video game um, is, you know, you want to be able to help contribute to equality. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female or whatever you want to be or whatever you claim or feel you are. Um, you know, it just, we're all, we can all enjoy our games regardless. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel that like, you know, um, I I was talking earlier about how important it is to like identify with your character as a gamer. And one way that like, uh, it's challenging for me because I, I want to be as immersed as my male counterpart and I want to be able to identify with the, the leading character, but I, you know, I can't cause they don't really look like me and they don't really act like me and they don't really like hold themselves the same way that I would. And, you know, this doesn't just apply to us females. It applies to, you know, all non-binary or gender fluid people, um, mm-hmm. who might not be able to like find themselves in that, in that space. And it's not just video games. It's all media. It's, movies it's comics it's you know uh, books it's all characters and story like it just really matters i think it matters a lot (laughs) feeling included in any form of media for sure absolutely yeah so that i mean that's that's kind of like the biggest challenge to me and it's interesting to hear you guys talk as as devs and how that challenge that i face and that challenge that you guys have faced too has actually turned into a benefit to you because it's allowed you to to make a better game that includes more people like that's so cool thanks yeah Yeah, on that note too i think um as women and individuals who identify as female like i think we all know what it feels like to have had our voices stifled or silenced in a particular situation so i think as developers and as as the three ladies that are leading this team we've really tried to make sure that every single person on our team is heard and and feels like they can contribute to whatever aspect of development that they want to like for example we don't just have one narrative designer you know we'll hold story writing meetings where anybody can come and join and like throw around ideas and and we'll do that for kind of every aspect of development and i really think it has allowed us to have um just again like a diverse set of ideas that we can kind of um expand upon our own ideas and have something that maybe we didn't think of initially um and so yeah i think i think that's a cool cool way that we've kind of um used our our voices as women or our perspective as women rather to to apply to development for Cristala. That's a really yeah. good point. There. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you know, that we've thought about from the beginning too. You know, coming into this whole thing, it's like 
make sure everyone's voice is heard. So that's always been really, really important to us. So, yeah, absolutely. Or like you were saying earlier, Tiff, like if you need to, if there's something you don't know and you need to learn it, like we celebrate and encourage that too. Like we're not going to like be angry if you're not perfect and you don't know everything already. Like if you, if you need help, ask for it. We'll give you tutorials, you know, let's talk about it together as a group. Let's work through it together. And I think that is actually something that's really unique about our team. Yeah, it's definitely one of our biggest strengths, I would say. For sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, the three of you as leaders, like um, how just I, I love I love what you just said about like, you know, you know, we know what it's like to have our voices stifled. And so I think, yeah, it makes you guys better developers, but it sounds like it makes you guys really great leaders, too. Um, and it's it's um, it's allowed you to open up to those, you know, that don't feel like they are as heard because you've experienced that. And I I totally feel this way, especially with Game Raven and, and our group and and the way that I lead all of us. Um, you know, I love hearing all perspectives because I don't want to miss a thing. You know, if there's a way to improve, if there if there's a critique or anything, I open it up to anybody. I'm like, please tell me your thoughts because I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss out. And I I feel like sometimes creatives they you know get so into what they're creating that they forget to open it up and listen to others and they kind of end up stepping on others and i've seen leaders do that you know and it part of the time it might be because they've never experienced getting stepped on or or having you know their voice silenced um but because we have experienced that like it it allows us to to open ourselves better and to make i don't know i think you guys are doing awesome i think your game is better for it um, and it's super cool to hear, you know, how your, how your team is set up and, and how, how you guys, uh, relate with one another. Um, do you feel like that's team wide or do you think that's unique to you three? Like how, how is the rest of the team when it comes to, to working together like that? Uh, yeah, we have a super, uh, strong collaborative environment. It seems like. You know, so I don't think it's super common because we sometimes have new people join us that it takes them a bit to get into the flow of things and, you know, start interacting all over the place because, like, we we try to include everybody in in everything. Like, we have a channel specifically for just throwing out ideas. And it doesn't matter what your role is on the team. If you have a good idea, we want to hear it. Um, it also comes down to giving accurate critiques to each other. You have to be comfortable with one another to do that because people can easily get offended by that. But we've created the, uh, an environment where that's, you know, everyone does it and, and, and takes each other's uh, constructive criticism to make better, better work or do better work rather. So, yeah, I think our team has really done well with it. I, I mean, we're stronger for it. And yeah, I mean, it seems like everyone's into it. We get lots of ideas every day. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I feel like team-wide, everyone knows that they are important and their ideas are important and, you know, they are, we are a team together and it's not just, you know, us three saying yes or no. It's all of us working together. Um, and I, I mean, I, I adore our team. I think they're awesome. Um, but I think that the feeling is mutual. So, and we've worked really hard to create an environment that is creative and comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, that's an important um, thing you just said too, Tiff. I think we've all had jobs outside of game development in the past where we've been treated a certain way or had our voices stifled, like I was saying earlier. And so, yeah, we've definitely tried to make sure that Astral Clock Tower Studios remains a place where we would want to work, you know, like I know we own the company, but like, would we want to work there? And so it's oftentimes we'll just have that moment where we check in with one another and say, you know, make sure we're still keeping on that same track, you know? Yeah, definitely. For sure. That's awesome. Well, I have just one more question. This podcast has gone so long, but I love it because I feel like there's so much great content you guys are bringing us. So thank you so, so much. Um, what, is some advice that you might give someone who identifies as female um, or non-binary or gender fluid um, who is looking to dive into the gaming industry? Uh, personally, I would say <clears throat> that I have found the gaming industry in general, especially indie gaming, to be some of the most open and accepting people out there. Um, it's the best job in the world. If this is something you want to do, there are so many resources out there to learn. You don't even necessarily have to worry about having funds to go back to school the way Tiffany and I did. Um, because uh, I've learned more teaching myself than I ever did uh, going back to school. So if this is you know something you truly want to learn, get on YouTube and look it up. Do it. You know, Look up Unreal Engine introductory tutorials or Unity introductory tutorials, and you know the you can download the engines for free. You can get all sorts of free assets. There's really nothing to hold you back. Um, you know, so if you're thinking about going for it, uh, regardless of your gender, <laughs> go for it. It's like it's the best, and it it pays off. Uh, all the hard work really does pay off. It's super satisfying mm -hmm. for sure. And I think like too like something that I've always tried to like stand by is you shouldn't let anyone stop you, but yourself, you know, don't, don't listen to people when they tell you that you can't do something just because of your gender. Like they don't know you, obviously, <laughs> if they're going to say that to you. Um, and people like that, in my opinion, like their opinion doesn't matter because I'm going to do what I want and love to do and i'm gonna learn new things um so just do it like if, don't don't i guess don't have the mindset of like you know is is this okay because you know um whatever gender you know you identify with um am i gonna fit in or not there's always going to be people anywhere that are going to you know give you a bad time for whatever reason um but you know, do what, do what makes you happy and do, do what you love. Um, and yeah, gaming industry is awesome. So <laughs> fun making cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you ladies. And, and if you are having that imposter syndrome ever, try to keep your passion, that driving force top of mind and try to find like-minded individuals who share the same goals that you have and try to create that community feeling. Cause I think that really has helped certainly us three as owners. Um, and then again, with our incredible dev team, as we've mentioned, just having um, that community and uh, sorry, having, having that community has really helped to, to not feel alone and to have um, support and people encouraging you and giving you, you know, the positivity that you need to keep to keep pressing forward and doing what you love. 
Yeah, that makes a huge difference. It's a very good point, Sarah. Um, like does. before I even started the studio, I thought I was a lone wolf kind of developer. Like I thought I wanted to do make my own game by myself because that would be easier. But I, I don't remember exactly what changed my mind. I think maybe it was that group project with Tiffany because I realized I wanted to work with her. Um, but, I, you know, it was just so much more fun with someone else. It's like, it's, it was making games is a huge undertaking. Even if you're just making a small game, there's so many little moving parts. So, you know, having having a, a community around you and or like even just a partner, it makes it even that much more fun of an endeavor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. You can't know everything. <laughs> yeah. I really want to. <laughs> I feel like it would be so boring to know everything though, you know? <laughs> to challenge you. Yeah, it would be very boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys, thank you so, so much for being with us. Um, that was awesome. I am going to officially wrap up this segment of our um, our podcast and um, hand it back over to Henry for the wrap-up. Awesome. Thank you, Puppet. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. This has been incredible. Thank you. Um, I guess we'll go home now for another week on the Game Raven Review podcast uh thank you so much for tuning into the game raven review podcast i've been henry j you can find me on twitter at super henry 64 uh puppet where can people find you i am puppet master n that's puppet master e n and you can find me on all the socials under that uh handle and i'm also on twitch so i uh i stream mostly indie horror um, and I stream on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Um, and I am also occasionally on the uh, Game Raven Twitch account on Monday nights for their Raven parties. So come check me out. It's a good time. Sarah, where can people play Crystalla? Or learn well, more about Crystalla? Because uh, can, yes. you, can you play it just yet? So we don't have an official demo done yet, but um, we have throughout the year been preparing some special convention builds. Um, so our next one actually is in August at the Play NYC convention. Um, we will be there in person, which we're actually super, super excited about because a lot of the uh, events have been virtual, as, as I'm sure you all know. Um, but yeah, so you can play a special build of Crystalla at Play NYC 2021. It is the first weekend in August, I believe. Um, and yeah, beyond that, you can check us out, Astral, Astral, excuse me, Astral Clock Tower Studios, and we are at ACS underscore games across pretty much all of the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Awesome. And, and as always, astralclocktowerstudios.com. Correct. Yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> and we will, during the Play NYC convention, have a build up for that weekend on Game Jolt. It'll be a micro build if anyone wants to check it out. Nice, nice. And as always, find us on Twitter and Twitch at GameRavenReview and GameRavenReview.com where you can join our Discord. Have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week. Are you game?